Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. The drivers get set for Abu Dhabi. Yeah, it looks like it's pretty well going back to the uh, old 90s format, so um, yeah, I, I like it. And Nissan unveils the Ultima. Standing here today unveiling what really is a, a game changer in V8 supercars and for Kelly Racing and also for Nissan. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. That's www.nobrac.com. Nissan have unveiled their new V8 supercar for 2013, the Nissan Altima. We'll have more about the Altima later in the bulletin. But first, we go to Abu Dhabi this weekend for three sprint races. The V8 Insiders caught up with a number of the drivers to ask them their thoughts on this weekend's racing, starting with Russell Engel. I'm probably lucky enough to be the only one that's in the current uh, field that's actually done the three short races. Uh, because back when I first started in uh, in '96, the format used to be three 20-minute or 20-lap races, whichever came first. So um, <laughs> it looks like it's pretty well going back to the uh, old '90s format. So um, yeah, I, I like it. I mean, uh, um, I, I reckon it's a bit of fun. No pit stops. You have to lay into it right from the word go. Um, no conserving tyres. No saving fuel. Just uh, ripping into it. So I know a lot aren't keen on it, and a lot are saying. It's a long way to go for that amount of laps, but, you know, at the end of the day, that's the price you pay for um, going with F1s. You know, you're always going to get shuffled a bit. But on the other side of it, there's going to be a big crowd there. We get to showcase V8 supercars in front of a huge crowd, and uh, and I'm sure they'll enjoy it. Yeah, look, it's always going to be tough. I mean, such a limited track time and uh, obviously no pit stops and, you know, tyre changes. So it's a bit easier on the team, I guess. They don't have to do much other than um, get the cars ready and send us out. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, you know. Obviously, uh, strategy is not going to be too hard to work out what you got to do. So it takes out an element that um, I guess this year that has played a big part in I guess majority of the um, you know the results. To have uh, three um, sort of sprint races more than endurance, we're we're all geared up and we've been racing a lot of uh, this style of uh, races. Um, now we just got to get focused on uh, what we need to do for the uh, for Abu Dhabi and uh, uh, what comes of it. Really, it's um, it, it will be different, obviously, with Formula One uh, there as well. We'll have to uh, have a good think about how that Pirelli tyre, that rubber, goes down and what it reacts to, like the Dunlop. Um, there's a lot of things we yeah, we'll have to get our gri- head around and get the grips with. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, um, Gold Coast is there, as you said, done and dusted. Thankfully, thank God, and uh, now we can move on to the rest of it. In that clip, you heard from Michael Caruso along with Craig Lowndes. 
Whilst we're talking about Craig Lowndes, he has said he is no longer a contender in the championship following the Gold Coast race meeting. To be honest, uh, I think uh, you know winning a championship probably uh, almost done and dusted, but we just got to out now fight for second. It's uh, uh, I think we're over 200 points behind Jamie, uh, and you know, I've been uh, to be honest, I've been running uh, you know running hard and fast trying to get back those points that I lost in Tassie, which was uh, only 150. So to get uh, 200 points back, you know, it's taken me all year to do that. Um, you know, to get to, a bit over 200 points back now, I think it's um, you know, near impossible unless Jamie has a problem. We got up with Tony Dalberto after his car was wrecked in the first race at the Gold Coast and he asked a pertinent question about the Gold Coast format. You know, you see all the destroyed cars down pit lane. You know, is this, is this the way to go racing? For us, a single-car team, where we are in the championship, you know, 21st, 22nd of the championship, we're not so worried about the championship as such. We're just, um, you know, I don't want to say anything out of school, but, um, you know, this is seriously dangerous stuff, you know, to have an inexperienced driver in this car uh, starting the race and creating a massive amount of uh, damage for a team like ours is... Um, you know, it's, it's almost team-stopping, team um, you know, damage bill. So this is a massive bill for us. Tim Edwards said that he doesn't believe there needs to be a rethink on the internationals being part of the Gold Coast event. Uh, I don't know. Who's, who's asking those questions? Right now I am. <laughs> well, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's easy, you know. It's easy to be a master of hindsight and having had two bad starts, uh, criticise the international drivers. I'm not making a criticism of, of them. I'm just saying that we know the cars are hard to get off the line. Is it the best interest for the sport to have incidents like that? Well, it's certainly not in the, incident, uh, the, the good in- best interest of the sport to have starts like that. There's no doubt about that, but Blind Freddy can tell you that. But, you know, we're, we've, this is the third year of, of this format and we haven't seen that for the last two years. You know, it was uh, an unusual, you know, to have that many accidents at the start of a race. Of course, we'll review it, you know, um, post this race, and I'm sure the category will come up with, uh, you know, if it needs tweaking to ensure this doesn't happen again or the likelihood of it happening again, then um, then I'm sure we'll be looking at it, you know. We don't, don't just put our heads in the sand and cross our fingers and hope it doesn't happen again next year. You know, it's, uh, it's easy to be masters of hindsight and say, well, you shouldn't have let them all start the race. Stephen Johnson. You know, it's. Uh, I don't. I don't mind having the international drivers here. You know, considering it is our championship, etc. It's pretty high stakes on the line, and uh, you know, I just think the actual race format needs to be reviewed. A 300k race is fine, but to me, you need a mandate. All the main drivers start. And put the uh, internationals in for a middle stint when the race is already unfolded. You know, people are already in their rhythm in the race, and then the main drivers can get back in at the end. Um, now, that to me would make much more sense if they mandated the main drivers start and then hand over to the uh, internationals uh, in a stop. David Reynolds has posted an interesting picture on Twitter. In fact, we've uh, put that on the V8 Insiders website as well for you to see when he got to the airport. It said V8 Supercabes. His comment was, should we be offended? Nick Heifels was driving with Reynolds at the Gold Coast and we asked Nick about driving with David Reynolds and if he's ever raced with such a character before. 
Uh, well, I've had a lot of uh, funny guys, but uh, most of them, them have not been as outspoken as Dave. <laughs> I mean, most do it uh, behind closed doors, but he likes to do it with a mic on. Nissan have unveiled the Altima V8 supercar. With the CEO and Managing Director of Nissan Australia on hand, kicking off our package, it's Bill Pfeiffer. Two things will occur today. Something will start and something will end. And today we're going to end the intrigue surrounding our 2013 Nissan Altima V8 supercar. Day is finally here. What it looks like, what's under the skin, and we're also going to put an end to the intrigue so many fans, media, and well-wishers have endured trying to imagine what this vehicle, this Nissan Altima V8 supercar is going to look like. But more importantly, we're here to start something. We're starting the next big chapter in Australia motor racing history. Now, you know we were there. Nissan was there at the close of the last one 20 years ago with the all-conquering GTR. Now, two decades later, we're again delivering Australian racing's next big Tell change. you what, what an exciting day for us. It's a dream come true for Todd and I and the whole team of Kelly Racing to stand here in front of you guys and girls and unveil a project, like I say, that we'd only dream First, I'd like to take you back uh, four years to the birth of Kelly Racing. There's a lot of questions that got asked when we first decided and announced to start our own team and make the shift, um, find a premises, get some licenses and go racing. Just a, a couple of country bumpkins trying to make it uh, on their own out there against a lot of teams that have been around 10 and 15 years which with fantastic support, internationally owned, locally owned, so much experience. There's so many questions asked. Would we get to the first race with four cars? Are the cars going to go around the track? How long until we're going to shut our doors? We've managed to go from one step to another grow our team from 35 staff back in 2009 to almost 70 staff now. Um, we've got one of the best premises in Australian motorsport and that's what uh, I guess is one of the keys to us developing such a fantastic car. There's been over 12,500 hours of design and simulation work, over 350 hours of machining for the bodywork tooling, over 1,500 hours of making moulds and the first set of panels for this car. Over 900 hours of fabrication and over 2,200 hours of assembly work. And don't forget the groundbreaking VK56 engine, which has taken another 4,800 hours of design work, 400 hours of machining, 180 hours of assembly and 150 hours of dyno testing so far. To put that into perspective, the car that you see right here is worth in excess of one and a half million dollars. This is the car that I've always wanted to build. A clean sheet of paper with the Car of the Future platform and an awesome looking road car in the Nissan Altima. It doesn't matter where you look on this car, you'll be looking at the highest level of design and attention to detail. Nissan and the Altima project has really been the spark that has ignited the passion in our whole team at Kelly Racing and to a large extent has ignited the passion in the whole sport. Bring on 2013. One of the things that amazes me, and, and I'm no technical guru, but we are entering into a series where we're starting from scratch. So you look at the innovation that went into not only a new chassis, but the aerodynamics, a new engine, new body, 
mean, every bit of this car is new. So how, I don't know. I, I would call that pretty innovative. I mean, we're starting from scratch and going into a series where our uh, competitors are carrying over some of their uh, components, if you will, from previous gen cars and going onto a new chassis into what the car of the future will be. Um, to me, that's that's innovation. The process from here is in the very near future. We'll head out to a racetrack and test this car for the very first time. We'll conduct our very own aero test to make sure that the car is somewhere within the ballpark of having the correct amount of drag and front and rear downforce before we present it to V8 supercars. To do that, we've got a wide selection of slightly different front bars and rear wing combinations. So the car that you actually see here may not be exactly what we raced next For year. For sure we've got a big task in front of us next year, competing against Ford, Holden and now Mercedes. But we understand that task and with the motivation that we've got to get out there, to train harder, to work harder and to beat those guys, I'm sure that we'll be sharing success in, uh, in, the, in the not too distant future. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from VX Magazine, it's Andrew Clark. Good evening, Clarky. Hey, Craig. How are you? It's a beautiful day and a beautiful time of the year because it's all getting interesting now, isn't it? It is indeed. And what's more interesting is if you can actually get to Abu Dhabi to cover the race. I know Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport was unable to do so and he joins us now. Good evening, Peter. Yes, that's right, Craig. Uh, I very much enjoyed my trip over there two years ago. Um, would love to get back there again. Let's see what uh, next year brings. Mm. It'll be interesting. It's a long way to go, Clarky, for uh, three races of, what, 12 laps each? 36 laps in total? Oh, it's a massive trip for very little time. And let's not forget that they only get half an hour on the track as well as that. So yeah, it's a very long distance to travel for that kind of uh, that kind of racing. Um, but, you know, there's a few interesting things thrown up by all of that, you know. Um, each race needs to be technically a certain length and a certain amount of time, otherwise it may not be valid for the championship. So, you know, are, are we potentially facing a court challenge if something goes wrong to one of the challenges this weekend? Well, we've already seen, Peter, that this race is going to be beamed back into Australia live, so that's a definite plus, and because they're not racing at night at Abu Dhabi, it's a much more viewer-friendly time. Absolutely right. Um, it's Well, while it's on the secondary channel, it is um, you know, live in prime time, so that will make it quite convenient. And, uh, yes, we, we've pointed out that it's only 12 laps, but uh, keep in mind that it is on the longer circuit, uh, when the V8s have visited there before, it was on the shorter circuit, about 4.7 kilometres, 
Um, this time they get to do the uh, uh, extra little extension in a, in a big sort of uh, uh, a bowl area that has a huge grandstand. Uh, so it uh, makes it about 5.6 kilometres. So um, all that adds up to be 65 kilometres per race. Um, a little bit better than it sounds, than, than 12 lap sound but still rather short. It is a interesting combination too. Back to the three sprint races, and here we are talking about sprint races. No controlled pit stops or anything like that. It's get out there and race. And I, I know, Clarky, that is something that you enjoy. Yeah, I love the purity of the fact that we're not artificially controlling something, but, uh, you know, I think pit stops are great and all of those kind of things, you know, for the long races where... You know, you need them, but all these ones where, you know, oh, we've got to have a pit stop because we're sponsored by a, um, you know, by a petrol company or whatever. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And I think you saw at Sandown, you know, what can happen when you bring back the purity of a simple race. Um, those uh, those um, uh, qualifying races at Sandown were just absolute crackers. And, uh, you know, if we get anywhere near that, if we get anywhere near that this time around, then uh, we'll all be happy they've gone to Abu Dhabi. Mm. Of course, Peter, it is going to be in front of a much bigger crowd, the Abu Dhabi race, because uh, people are coming from predominantly Europe to get there to see the Formula One. Um, well, that remains to be seen, whether the spectators turn up for Formula One later in the day. Uh, as you pointed out, the V8s are on track during the day. Uh, I wonder if it's a bit too early for the for the most of the fans, uh, and maybe that will get missed. Mikasalo up at the Gold Coast was shaking his head, going, "No, the crowd's not going to be that much bigger." He wasn't uh, holding much hope. But it is the only support category, which is an interesting card for the V8 supercards to be on with Formula One. It's only two events each day. It kind of makes me want to spend my money to go and watch a Formula One race when I get absolutely no entertainment from the money. That's a great idea. It, it is interesting that they've gone down that strategy, though. Is that purely a case of where the, econ- the economy is in Abu Dhabi, Peter? Um, it's hard to say. Um, I like the prestige effect that um, we are the, the main support race uh, to the Formula One uh, crowd, but it just seems odd that we're on track so much earlier than the Formula One cars, and, and who knows what they're going to fill uh, the, uh, the hours in between with. One thing that I think is going to be absolutely fascinating and critical for these sprint races is the qualifying session. It's only 20 minutes long, and because we've got three sprint races, they have to do three qualifying laps uh, where each of their laps applies to a certain uh, one of those races. So it's going to be confusing, but to be at the pointy end of each of those three races, you need to do three very good laps. Um, no point to just bolting on the tyres the uh, and doing one lap. You've got to make those tyres last for three, plus you also have to get a clear track for three laps. So the qualifying is going to be the real key point to this whole game of chess. Mm, and Clarkie, that's the thing. On this longer track... A 20-minute qualifying session, you conceivably, with an outlap, only have about four or five laps of time. Yeah, I wouldn't want to muck it up, would you? It's, um, you know, room for error is very minimal here. So, you know, and that's good. I mean, I love qualifying when, you know, there's, there's, you, know, you can hang it all on the line and take your chances and you really don't get this time to, you know, to play around with it, long sessions and all of this stuff. So I think the qualifying session's great. I'm just not so sure about the... Um, 
about the uh, the race lengths. You know, that's what bugs me, and especially if there's you know, there's no other support classes. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I don't know what kind of drugs these blokes were on when they invented this format, but. Uh, you know, on the back of the, the Indy where you, you, know, you got that race shortened because of so many crashes at the start and all of those kind of things, you know, I think they need to have a pretty serious look at this sort of thing. And, you know, you can't just, um, you know, not give them track time for, for no reason. That's a price bit. There is no reason for not giving them a proper race. Mm. And, of course, Peter, it, if these races come off and they're crackers, well, everyone will be saying, well, we should be doing this more often. But if they fall flat there will be a lot of questions asked about the uh, the advantage of pairing with Formula One at other races which have been mooted across the, uh, across the country and across the world. Well, I think what we need to look at is the, the evolution of the V8s with the Melbourne Formula One race where the poor old V8s were second-class citizens and uh, had poor facilities and really didn't get a decent crack at it. Um, they couldn't sell their merchandise and it was just a nightmare. And uh, it took many years, including uh, spitting the dummy and sitting out one year, um, to get a proper treatment. Uh, now that that's been achieved for Melbourne, we would have thought it would have been automatic in Abu Dhabi. But it looks like we're back to square one uh, to get those sorts of terms and conditions for our racing. Um, yeah, it will be interesting to see um, whether people uh, pay attention and open up the sort of flexibility that uh, the V8s need to put on a great show or whether this is just a token effort. Mm. Well, I think it's always a token effort when it comes to anything supporting Formula One. I mean, you know, Formula One's the biggest, best show in the world, so, you know, anybody who wants to think any differently is kidding themselves. You know, V8s will, will always take a very minor hand. Um, my question is, you know, is the money worthwhile to the potential damage to your brand by performing in shows like this where you are? and are seen to be a second-class citizen, and you're treated like it by, you know, three 12-lap races. I mean, it just blows me away. I, when, I was talking to Dave Reynolds and, you know, about it, and he, was just, he couldn't believe that they were going all that distance to run so few laps. Um, but the other part that's interesting is, if you think, let's say you win all three of those races, so you win 36 laps of racing over 180 kilometres, you get the same points as you do for winning Bathurst. Yeah, so there's a lot of championship inequity in it all as well. It's a bit odd to me. Mm. Um, I think they need to have a very serious look at it for next year. Mm. Now, to me, an important question is: is where do the V8s lie in Abu Dhabi's business plan? You know, they tried the V8s as a standalone race meeting, and the crowd was fairly weak. Let's be honest. Um, is this year's racing really just a, well? We've got a contractual commitment to bring them here. Let's bring them when we've got a brace meeting anyway, um, and, you know, do the, does the Abu Dhabi circuit actually have a commitment to the eight, or is this just killing time because we've got a contract? Mm. It is going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. Good news for Techno Motorsport, though. They've got two cars all livery, uh, all liveried up as team cars with heavy haulers or Heavy Haulage Australia coming on board and that's off the back of their podium on Saturday at the Gold Coast, Clarkie. Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, um, the techno guys are doing a pretty good job, I reckon, for uh, what could be seen as a as a daddy's boy racing outfit. So, you know, I think they're doing quite a good job overall. I mean, you know, Michael Patrizia, I think, has been pretty good all year as well. You know, it's not just Jonathan Webb here. So, um, you know, it just shows you buy the right equipment, the right engineering support, you know, you can really shortcut a whole bunch of systems. But 
much more importantly, it's just so good to see them with signage on the car. I mean, my little boy still walks, you know, looks at the TV and says, oh, they've got stickers on the car, <laughs> you know, because he remembered that stark white thing that just, you know, stood out like the proverbial earlier in the year. So, mm. you know, good news for them. Um, <clears throat> obviously uncertain over what's happening with them next year, but, uh, you know, let's see what happens. And, uh, you know, I think it's good. Um, good team, good operation, doing all right. Yeah, they have been working extremely hard. And, guys, if the racing is as good as what we saw when Courtney and Jason Bright took it on the smell of an oily rag to the line, it will be a great weekend and everyone will be uh, raving about what they've done, Peter. Um, yes, uh, we may all be uh, you know, eating our hats uh, next week because it may be great. Um, Yes, but touch us. Well, what will be great is... What it will be great is when we What will be great is when we come back from the break on, with more on the V8 Insiders. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Andrew Clark and Peter Norton joining me, Craig Ravel. And Clarky, we should mention that a very special book you're putting out for Christmas is currently on sale and orders are being taken right now. And of course, that is a great tribute to a great friend of the V8 Supercars series, which was Jason Richards. Yeah, it's um, it's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster. This book. I mean, I first started talking to Jason in the middle of last year about doing uh, a really good book. You know, like a um, uh, significant words, significant investigation into his life and his ideology and beliefs and all of those kind of things. But it just never happened. So we pulled this one together to you know, provide a, a tribute, I suppose, where we're you know, we're talking to a whole bunch of people who had input into his life and. And people who he touched and accessed in you know, all the way through from, you know, guys like Nico Halloran at Marinello Motorsport through to, uh, you know, John Bow and Alice Bow and, you know, Cam McConville and, and Wally Story, who, you know, I couldn't shut him up the other night. He spoke for nearly two hours, um, which was quite staggering. And, uh, yeah, so it's going to be coming together well. It's uh, it, For those who are familiar with the P101 products... It's going to be very similar to that Mark Scape the racing years in terms of, you know, quite a lot of pictures and only in a handful of words. And, uh, yeah, a really good book, I think. So, mm. you know, if you've got anything to do with motorsport and any kind of care or concern, um, make sure you buy it. And the important part is that I don't make a cent out of it. It's all going to the Olivia and Sienna mm. um, Trust. Yep. And, of course, another book that you are involved in is, of course, the Super Cheek Autos Bathurst book from the V8X magazine stable, which is now going to be the third edition of that book, which is interesting to see because they're going now to update it to the end of the current car, if you like, era. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, it's a good book as well, you know. And, I mean, it's always um, easy to talk about the things you're involved in as being nice products and blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think yeah, V8X is... Um, has has earned itself a very strong place in the in the V8 supercar world, and uh, you know a book like this uh, done in the V8 style just gives them 
just that little ability to put their stamp on things and uh, and show you something special. And uh, you know, if you're a motorsport fan, I'd go out and get this one and uh, sit it on your bookshelf alongside Jason Richards. Yes, of course. And Peter, just as well we don't write because uh, I think crayons would be what they'd use for the print. I'll uh, stick to uh, other things that are, are more my strength. Mm. Of course, one thing I didn't mention is the Frenchman's back at Gary Rogers Motorsport, who also this week brought out their car of the future, and uh, we'll be talking more about cars in the future in a moment. But, uh, well, interesting that Gary Rogers made the change at the Gold Coast, and a lot of cynics were saying because he needed to get a certain amount of points for some sponsorship commitments, uh, which are well known with his sponsor that they require. And uh, unfortunately, that ra- that wreck off the first start uh, really turned that whole thing upside down and, uh, and you know, it just it didn't work out the way he hoped, Andrew. <laughs> it didn't work really well, did it? I mean, uh, Greg Ritter didn't turn the racing lap. So, you know, turning uh, something Alex, uh, Alex for Greg didn't really work out in that sense. But, you know, I mean, I've been quoted elsewhere and seen elsewhere. I think that is the most stupid motor racing event that our guys go to. Um, and uh, it's very costly. All it's doing is hurting people, hurting people's championships, so I'd be happy to get rid of it. Um, good to see um, Prima back in the car. Um, I'm very curious as to why he was taken out in the first place, but, you know, uh, those of us who have been around long enough know Gary Rogers' mind works in ways that most of us can't understand. And, uh, yeah, anyway, and you, and you see him back in the car, so... You know, I'm sure he'll go well this weekend. And, uh, you know, I think this year he's done a pretty good job, given where he's come from. I mean, uh, you know, he was out qualifying Jacques V and Evan Jacques V and he won a world championship. <laughs> hey, we need to uh, talk about another Car of the Future launch that happened this week. And, Peter, on Tuesday it was Nissan's turn to unveil the Ultima V8 supercar. And what a sleek-looking thing it is too. Uh, interesting with the... Uh, uh, you know the the Nissan signage and everything like that. It, uh, it really sort of stands out, and uh, you know a bit of a shock to the system when you first uh, see it. Um, and you know it's interesting the, the the body shape and everything like that. It's not really comparable to a a Falcon or a Commodore. So uh, aerodynamics, um, you know, will require quite a bit of work, I think, to get the parity right. But uh, you know the formula and the process is there, so they'll get onto that. Mm. Now, of course, Andrew. It's fascinating just to, to you know to pour uh, pour over the car at the, the launch. Um, you know, obviously lucky to be in Melbourne, so I was able to get there for it. And it's uh, it's quite a fascinating car to look at. I mean, they haven't had to widen it much. You know, the guards aren't monstrously flared, so it's obviously quite a wide, natural car. But the thing that blew me away was just looking inside it. It's almost like the um, the driver's sitting in the rear seat. You know, it's sitting that far back and central to the car. And, you know, it's a really special-looking thing inside. And, uh, you know, I think if this is what all of the um, all of the cars are going to look like when they come out, you know, we're in for a real treat next year. Uh, it was just a beautifully engineered piece of equipment. Mm. And, of course, they, they took a lot of time to talk about the hours and money that has been spent. And I think Todd Kelly said that if you converted the hours that have been spent on it to dollars, that's $1 million alone. Uh, he said $1.5 million actually. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of hours. I think it's 230,000 man-hours, I think is what he said. Um, so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of time spent on this thing. Um, but, but, you know, that's life when you're going from scratch. You know, they've had to build the bodywork. They've had to get the bodywork to fit to it. They've had to do all of these things, you know, work out how to get the engine in place and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and more importantly, you know, getting back... To Peter's point, they've had to develop 
you know, multiple options on the um, on the wing and front bar setups because no one knows what this thing's going to do when it gets on the track. Mm. Now it's you know, hot. It, uh, it, it runs a sleek or you know, more angled windscreen. So what's the impact of that? So you, you can't just sit back and guess and say, oh yeah, you know, we can throw a Falcon spoiler that's kind of bended and made to fit. You know, it's just not going to work. So they had to be very comprehensive in what they've done. And uh, be interesting to see what comes out at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's critical that uh, Todd was talking about the number of front bars and rear wings that the team is going to be testing before they hand the car over for parity testing. So they're going to get themselves to an engineering point where they think they're even, but obviously giving themselves the most adjustment and the most advantage in the long run. Hmm. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And then, you know, as I say, it's been a very big process for these guys, you know, um, and they've done a really good job, you know, I think, you know, you could look at Kelly Motorsport and think, Kelly Racing, sorry, and think, you know, oh, these guys, you know, they haven't done really done much since they've set up their own team, but I think in many ways, they've spent their time building to this, they've been hunting staff to do something along this magnitude, saying, you know, we can modify Commodores till the cows come home, but we're not really going to make an impact, or we can go out and build something special and something bespoke and, uh, you know, and, and approach it in the way they have. And as I say, I think they've done a great job. It's a really impressive-looking race car. Mm. And, of course, one of the big things is that they are now factory-supported. And uh, as uh, Rick was at pains to point out at the press conference, unless you're factory-supported, you can't go forward in V8 supercars. Oh, I don't agree with him. Um, I think you can see, see if you buy your stuff from somebody who's factory supported, you can go really well. Or you can sit back and say, well, you know, Team Vodafone, technically speaking, is not, you know, it's not the factory holding team, Walkinshaw Racing is. And uh, so I think that was just a bit of a bit of chest puffing from Rick on that sense. And, you know, he's entitled to a bit of chest puffing. But <clears throat> the only thing that really matters is whether or not you've got the engineering staff or whether you've worked out where you buy your equipment from. Because um, that's what you've got to do. It's, you, know, you can source your equipment and do really, really well um, if you, you know, if everything's going all right. Mm. Now, Peter, one of the big things on the Ultima that I noticed was that it looks like from the front bar to the front wheel centre line, or from the front wheel centre line, it doesn't look as deep. And I'm wondering if that is part of what Kellys are doing to get the engine set back inside the rear wheels. Uh, inside the front wheels, rather than having more engine hanging over the front. Um, yeah, I think you've got a, you've got a good eye there. Um, yeah, that, that's probably the, the stuff that uh, you know, the, the casual fan really wouldn't notice, that uh, you know, there's a lot of engineering in underneath the skin, even within a, a fairly controlled formula, being the car of the future. Um, yeah, it would be interesting whether some of those little tweaks could give them uh, a quantum leap over the uh, established models. Mm. Well, I'm going to ask now, who's going to win the three races at Abu Dhabi, Peter Norton? Um, putting me on the spot there, it's a, a little bit tricky because of that qualifying format. Uh, I think it really requires a team that can come straight out of the box with a very fast car uh, and yeah, just everything to go perfectly. I think it has to be a Team Triple Eight, and uh, you'd have to say Jamie Wincup's got the form. All right, then, Andrew Clark. Yeah, I'm going three wins for Jamie Wincup. I'm actually thinking it's going to be uh, James Courtney <laughs> this weekend. So we'll see. We'll let Andrew Good get odds. back to the dishes. Peter Norton, Andrew Clark, thanks very much for your time. No, thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, fellas.
After the break, it is Todd Kelly on the White Flag Lab. I hope you'll stay with us. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, Todd Kelly talks to us about not only the Jack Daniels deal, but how are they looking to structure the other two cars in Kelly Racing? Fantastic to have Jack Daniels re-sign. Um, very passionate about Jack Daniels and their brand, myself and Rick. I've been with them five years now, and over that time, uh, they've not just been a sponsor at all, they've been really a partner and to take us over to America they took us over to a, a couple of NASCAR races and then more importantly right through their distillery over there and we got to meet all of the people over there and learn how the product's made and um, and they've been fantastic so we couldn't ask for a better sponsor than Jack Daniels obviously for many reasons um, and to hit the track with the Nissan Altima next year which is going to be an absolutely amazing looking car with uh, Jack Daniels on the side of both of them is, is going to be pretty special. Great for Nissan uh, and great for our team. And what does that mean when you're looking at the next two cars and trying to lock away something for them? Um, well, the Nissan factory status that we uh, will be next year certainly helped that. We're, we're talking to uh, existing drivers, other drivers. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of different sponsors are quite keen. We've not yet locked anything away, um, but there's certainly a lot of good vibes and a lot of constructive talks at the moment to end up with four uh, extremely uh, good sponsors and and competitive drivers for next year. Is your feeling that you'll have two branded cars the same or do you think you'll continue down the strategy of having the Kelly Racing cars or the Nissan Kelly Racing cars as as individually sponsored cars and two Jack Daniel? Yeah, it's uh, a lot rarer these days. with, with how the sport's grown and how the economy is in, in general to have a sponsor that will go across two cars. So um, in saying that, there is a, a chance that a few of the sponsors we're talking to uh, might like to run two cars, which would be quite good for us. There's obviously a lot of um, positives to have two identical cars with even simple things like stickers and paintwork and, and the prep of the cars um, makes it a lot easier and we could even have a spare car per garage in, in its actual livery if we only had um, had two sponsors so that is a possibility um, in the next uh, month or so hopefully we'll, we'll find out exactly how it pans out With stacking being such a huge problem in V8 supercars could you consider having one Jack Daniels car and one other car in each of the pit bays like we've seen down there at uh, Dick Johnson Racing where they were able to, through different reasons, put the cars in different booms and thereby alleviating any any stacking that you and Rick might have to do next year. Yeah, it's always still going to hurt someone. Um, with the, what we're trying to work towards with um, the cars that Rick and I aren't driving is to obviously have those cars up the front so we couldn't really go and do that to them, you know, sacrifice... Uh, one of their pit stops for or strategy for our own so yeah I think we'll um, do what we've always done Come Bathurst though when the season sorted itself out to get a win at Bathurst would it be worth it? Well 
that's that's a little bit of a different story of a, a situation like that. Um, there's always a clear um, cut situation with where we all are in the championship. I mean, if a guy's leading and a, and another guy is sitting in 25th, you know, that's certainly something that you'd look at. Yeah, it's all good. I think um, not really really there to move my arm too much, so I don't know exactly how good it works, but. Um, it was pretty sore for the first few days and I'm about, I think, 9 or 12 days or something from the operation and uh, starting to be a little bit more bearable and um, just can't wait to get out of the sling and start a bit of rehab and work towards getting back in the car. Any chance you'll be driving the car at Sydney? Oh, no, no, no way. Um, at the absolute earliest, it'll be sometime in February, hopefully early. Um, realistically, I'll probably only get to do one test day maybe two but most likely just one test day before clips or so <clears throat> I have to make sure the rest of my body's in peak condition so that I can get through the first round which is uh, frustrating we're only not, not even weeks away from the very first test of our, our Nissan Altima so um, not to be behind the wheel for the first drive is uh, is uh, going to be quite hard watching it drive out of pit lane but uh, very exciting and it's certainly given me a big motivation to get myself right for next year. Thanks very much for your time and all the best with the rehab. No worries, thanks. My thanks to Todd Kelly there. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.